Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pendulum Show. My name is Yodin. I'm Bamba. And I hope that everyone's been keeping well and safe during this time. Um, because um, right now, everything's a little bit in a flux. We're recording this on the 3rd of May on a Sunday. And there's a lot of news going about on certain states being in a lockdown and certain places not being in a conditional MCU at the moment. Bamba, do you have anything to comment on this? Uh, uh, as much as I really want to get out of the house I, I don't think that everyone had enough notice That suddenly we're going to be allowed to go outside And go to restaurants And mm. everyone's kind of panicking Plus cases have been up in, in Malaysia Like quite a lot in the past couple of days the, so, That is very convenient la. Yeah, so I don't know what to think about it But, you know, not much is changing Like for me, I still have to work from home Not going back mm. to the office Yeah I know it's like the end times in Singapore la, right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I don't know. La. Like I think no matter what the the lockdown as they say and on, on the 1st of June and I don't see it being extended further than that. La. Really? I, mean, I, I, I personally don't see it. Like even Singapore has announced that it will go into a recession this year. We're all going to go into a recession this year. I really don't... Like, how are we yeah, not yeah. going to go into a recession it's, it's this imp- year? It's impossible not to, la, yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, yeah. but you know what? I, uh, on that note, I hope everyone's staying at home. Hopefully yeah. you'll listen to us. Listen to this episode gladly in the comfort of your own home and the safety of your own home. So we're going to be talking about another enemy that actually plagues our daily lives, which is not the coronavirus. It is not TikTok. It is technically well, maybe TikTok, but it's all the broad, of the above. It's all of, it's all of the above. But the silent enemy that we actually come to know as of recent times is data, and not specifically just data, but data privacy. Is our data privacy being infringed upon? Is it in danger? How you know all the questions that you've been asking is. Um, who is listening to me? Is my phone on? Why are these ads that I go onto this website follow me after I leave the website? What are governments doing my data? What is my data that's being collected? All these questions, hopefully, they'll answer, they'll answer for you today in this episode. And that's why we have Bamba, because he's the not only the IQ of this show, <laughs> but he's also very much in this field because he's a software engineer currently. I would yeah. not say where. But he's a very just a very very smart Indian boy in tech and in good in maths. I think that should say it all, lah. Right? You're you're overselling it, lah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm telling the audience needs to know who they're dealing with or who all they're right, receiving this right. information from. I'm and I'm backing you up, Bamba. Why okay, okay, okay. Thanks. And on the same note, we also have the ideal guy on the other side of this because D- Yodin has worked in digital marketing, so he's the guy who's using all of your data to like yes. Target yes. corsets at you for no good reason. Hey, no, no. That is something we're going to go into about, okay? <laughs> okay Not no okay. good reason, okay? Okay, so you know what? Let's kick it off, okay? Yeah, Bamba, sure. Bamba, do yeah. you want to tell everyone, okay, what is what is data privacy? Okay, 
So we first have to think about what the problem of privacy itself is, right? Because this pre-exists the internet. So, mm-hmm. so the argument goes like this. Every individual is, is self-aware. You are aware of yourself and of your surroundings. So what mm-hmm. you are aware of is your private sphere. These are the things I know about myself and about the things around me, the things I own, the things I do, for example. But at the same time, we need to interact with other human beings, right? And so that means we exist in the public sphere. So when we exist in the public sphere, what can be known by others about my private life and my private sphere? Obviously, like I, uh, at an abstract level, we say that I should have control of this. But mm-hmm. in the modern world, to what degree is this actually possible? How much control do I have? How much control mm-hmm. can I reasonably have? So that's the problem of privacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in, in the modern environment, right, uh, the sources of data about you multiply every day because mm-hmm. now, now we have cloud computing. So when uh, all of our private information is, is in the hands of these third parties like Google, Apple, and Facebook, they have our credit card information, email, uh, email data, location history, all of this is in the hands of third parties who we may or may not trust, like... Google's mm-hmm. slogan was uh, don't be evil, right? But uh, mm-hmm. look at the impression that people have of Google right now. So uh, yet we still continue to hand over our data to them. And not only is our data not in our hands anymore, uh, it's being collected from all of our devices. So this doesn't mean like just our phones, you know, like we have mm-hmm. things like smart homes now. So even like your lighting and uh, your TV, all of it is connected to the internet. It's not the internet of things, it's the internet of everything. Uh, yeah. We have these wearable devices like uh, like an Apple Watch and every year Apple releases a new Apple Watch which collects even more information about you. So you know that uh, your devices are collecting your your location history but now they're also collecting like your the temperature, humidity, altitude, health, how many steps you take, how many stairs you have climbed. Uh, uh, when you're near to another person, how you interact with other devices, all these kinds of information, right? And it's also going back up into the cloud. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you have devices which you don't control. So obviously, there's mm-hmm. things like CCTV cameras which are tracking you in public, right? That CCTV that is, Singapore. is everywhere. Not just Singapore. I mean, even here. That is how. <laughs> that is the. That is the government. Okay, the CCTV cameras in Singapore is the government. Singapore is basically like communist China light la. <laughs> basically light yeah, yes yeah. Yeah. So, so not only CCTVs but uh, things you don't often think about like for example the ticketing machine at the at the cinema before it used to be like you buy a ticket and then uh, somebody just snips your ticket off and lets you into the cinema but now you buy the ticket on your phone then you scan that on a device and that lets you in so uh, technically like JSC Cinemas knows uh, which cinema you've been to even if you bought, uh, uh, bought the ticket to someone else or over the counter they have this information uh, yep. what about payment systems payment processing so almost all transactions or a majority of transactions for a lot of people are cashless right mm-hmm. but with it being cashless you have lost anonymity mm-hmm. uh, yeah um, and what happens to this data is the next part of it because uh, these companies know now they, they've had all this information so for a long time they, they they used it for the purposes that they said they would but now with like machine learning AI and all uh, and all these new technologies we c- they can do a lot of complex analysis on this data 
and then it can reveal things which you wouldn't expect would show up just from the information you've given them so uh, like Facebook can find out your political opinions like are you a conservative a liberal uh, or are you likely to support like uh, radicals yeah. or new fascists for example uh, even if you don't tell Facebook uh, what your religious beliefs are it can infer this from your from the data from your posts and from the friends you have you can even like look into your psychological patterns identify if you're more conscientious more open to experience so all this means is that privacy right now is no longer the default like by default uh, all this data is out there and you need to take like active steps to prevent this data from from spreading and and the and the worst part of it is that once this data is in the public sphere once it's spread beyond the source it's impossible to restrict its spread so mm. yeah basically that's the problem of privacy in the in the current in the current in the current time we live in mm. so yeah. you see right ladies and gentlemen this is how smart bumba is because i legit just asked a four word sentence and we have gotten an eight minute explanation <laughs> as two words everything we're going to actually talk about in this episode so i think that episode is basically over <laughs> so actually no okay no thank you very much bumba i think that was quite a clear understanding into the realm of data privacy and what is actually wrong and what is going on but so before I go on, I'll just sort of go on the outline of what we'll be discussing today. Yeah. So uh, essentially, the goal of the episode is to also try and spark some sort of debate and understanding of what, uh, essentially what data privacy is, what Bamba just said, and how our data is being used, how, how is our data being um, captured, stored, and um, who, and especially, right, it's not also in terms of what is collected but how it's being used in the hands of whom right? right so as bamba just said for example they're trying to you know if they are able to be able to profile you as someone um, of a particular political ideology they are able to they'll be able to feed some sort of content um, back to you that reinforces these biases and this ideology or even go against it for example it could be that it could be as simple as that or even as complex as even going into marketing different products and even different policies that you probably would not want to be in favor of and things like that um, we'll go and touch upon a little bit on how anonymous is the data you know when, um, when, when companies say your data is anonymized but how anonymized is is our is my data for example if you know they're saying that okay no we don't store credit card information but most of the time it's just saying right. that they won't hide they, they'll just like star the first eight numbers and leave the four numbers yeah. at the back right yeah. to yeah. to verify someone because they can still yeah they, they your name won't appear at first but your financial data is go- as good or even as better than knowing your name because there's no actual monetary value to it to your name everything that yeah revolves around you like your financial data and what you're seeing what you're reading can actually you can attach a monetary value to that right and how anonymized is that in the first place um, we're going to talk about something that maybe we can even help to even protect our data even in a common sense where you know if you're using a certain browser a certain search engine you know, we're always conscious about clearing uh, cache and cookies and things like that for example um, even um, in regards to passwords as well you know, we're going to be talking about things that you and steps that you can take 
towards trying to be more cautious with the data that you release and prevent some other third-party trackers as well. I'm going to talk about the current law in Malaysia. So there's um there's a regulation called or there's an act called the PDPA Act, which Bamba will go into that later on in the episode. We're going to talk about uh last but not least the current coronavirus in in regards to what's happening right now. There um. You know, big companies, big tech companies were working with governments in trying to try and come up with a more effective tracking method for social, um, for social tracing and as well as even post that as well. So there's something, uh, the government released something called the MyGrab app, which was something that was used to track, that is going to be used to track social tracing and as well as interstate travel, which something Bamba again because he's a tech guy, will go into this. And as well as what we can do to be more proactive in understanding how our data works, and right. how we can be more conscious citizens moving forward. So okay, that was a long brief, but we'll try and digest everything as much as possible. Okay, okay so I'm gonna get, go straight into it. So Bamba. Yeah, as you just said, right? Yeah. All this, all this data that is being collected by these yeah. companies and by governments. Maybe, um, would you be able to give an example of a misuse of the data that is collected? Misuse. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, one like very prominent example which a lot of people have heard of is, mm-hmm. uh, probably Cambridge Analytica. Uh-huh. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. So Cambridge Analytica was this company which uh, advertises they're able to provide a database on a large majority of, of voters in America uh, and uh, all sorts of information about them. So like your psychological traits, like, like I mentioned, openness, conscientiousness and so on. But, you know, really... Um, minute things like for example they could even infer your IQ uh, they could guess which mm. job you were holding whether you had a college degree and in what major and uh, <laughs> amazingly right they can even they, they could even predict whether you believe in astrology or not mm. alright and people are wondering how is it that they are able to collect this amount of data and mm. and the and the database was about 87 million people strong you know they had data on 87 million people mm-hmm. and it turns out that they had been putting up this quiz on Facebook which mm-hmm. people can do and so you do the quiz and you would think that uh, they have data only on you and only a few thousand people actually took the quiz but because of a loophole in Facebook's policy they collected information not just on you but on your friends as well so every time you did the quiz Cambridge Analytica got your data and you got data on all your like 1500 friends and so, like, it had a multiplier effect every time anyone did the quiz. And that's how they were able to collect, like, 87 million people's worth of, of information. And then this was used in the election campaigns, I think, uh, by Donald Trump, right? By Donald Trump's campaign, they used this to target ads to people based on all this information. And so there's a fear, like, that they use all this personal data to to sway the election campaign. So that's, like, a, a very good example of, of uh, privacy violation. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, so th- you know that's a decent example, and I mean it was a pretty prominent one back in two thousand sixteen, and maybe some people might know may may have known about this earlier, but thank you for explaining that. Yeah. So, okay, so okay, as a digital marketer, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I I am fully aware of that that is def- that was definitely possible in the first yeah. place. So what basically you were describing is that they needed a large enough sample size towards trying to mine this data in terms of clustering. They're trying they were trying to profile and associate um interests and your behaviors into profiles and be able to specifically target you and influence your decision making. Yeah. Which is not something that is unique to just Cambridge Analytica. It has been accused by all big companies, including Google. No surprise right. there, definitely. It is right. so prominent in something that you are probably in Bamba might explain later in even in your search results, for example. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right? So but the thing is, right, um a lot of people when we talk about data privacy and you know, me and collecting data, can we can it be argued? Okay, I can argue that yeah. to a degree definitely in terms in an ethical manner of collecting data it, it can it can provide value right right I, I i agree like um yeah maybe you can get into that more like we, yes we have all all this data has been collected on us but in in some implicit way we are consenting to it because uh, sharing all this information makes life more convenient for us in many ways right so yeah. like you from your perspective you maybe you can tell us like how is this data being used to our benefit yeah okay so i don't know if you've been i don't know if like any of our listeners basically have been trying to figure this out but then normally the common trope you'll see on these like especially these youtube videos is that they say do you know why you use facebook and google for free mm-hmm. your product that gives you so yeah. much is because you are the product <laughs> <laughs> right that that is the common trope that you that you hear that in exchange for um all these free services that you use you give up your identity your digital identity because yep. data is the new currency is the new oil you've heard all these things before but while that is definitely true i'm not going to deny that at all but th- that is definitely true and actually that's the reason why i probably still have a job <laughs> so <laughs> i'm very much employed i mean the thing is the word digital marketing exists for a reason lah yeah yeah right so but essentially like the pro- the value that we can provide is that you know the the I know for a fact it depends on the companies that if they actually run these marketing services for example they can be as shady as possible and trying to find hacky ways to not appear as themselves and then they not have accurate representation in how they collect your data for example Cambridge Analytica did not post their quiz as Cambridge Analytica for example yeah right so yeah, yeah. that it that itself is already wrong you're yeah. not they you, the consumer or the user is false is giving accurate information to a party that is not rep, is not, not being real. honest yeah 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 it's it's a, it's a fake party so that mm-hmm. itself is that on that first step is wrong there are many companies that do this because for example if if you are seeing quizzes about coronaviruses for example and maybe they they want to get how your employability is like you, you, they're trying to try and estimate how what is your business profitability at this point in time how yeah. ready are you in in for example in the event of a post coronavirus in a post mco for example how ready are you to snap back and be able to uh, get started on marketing yeah okay they're trying okay. to gather all this data for example yeah. and at the same time they're getting easy business to business data yeah 
okay. but in the event that it drives virality is that they invest so invest so little in ads in exchange for getting all this massive amount of data so they can profile and understand where would they drive their business strategy while that may not be such a bad thing mm-hmm. but that is wrong but the right. value on some companies where you know in exchange for what they want to know about you they generally want to provide value and probably give you for example if you if you want to buy something on Lazada yeah okay for example you want to buy something on Lazada and then maybe if you see it's 35% off but you know you really want this product right so and then you leave the site because you add it to your cart and then you, you're about to make that purchase decision and then you leave but but the thing is Lazada knows that you want the product and you know they want to help you as much as possible to get yeah. so both of you benefit right but right, more right. so you because the most common way to benefit you is probably giving you a lower price yeah, yeah so they know they know what you like they're trying to make sure that you get it so they retarget you with a promo code for example yeah and so you extract more value from this that is just one okay yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a fair point. Like, what would the experience of online shopping be like if we, mm. uh, yeah, if we didn't have products suggested to us? I mean, you could argue like, okay, maybe we would spend less, but also it helps us to find what, uh, what we are exactly. already interested in. Exactly. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the whole thing about advertising, right? It's giving, it's supposed to put products to your face, show you products that you might need based on what yeah. they want, based on what they think you are and what you need. Yeah. So they're trying to fit a need to a product. Right, exactly. And then, and then there's a mutual benefit there. Right. There's a mutual benefit there. So so that that is the, the general good of what marketing is in terms of the digital world. And it's obviously a lot more real time. You know, there's no yeah. the thing between digital marketing and traditional marketing is obviously while it's tracked, it's real time. It's easy, it's convenient. Right. And that is the that's the whole thing with the data privacy, right? In this in this in this argument is that we sacrifice conven- uh, we sacrifice our privacy in exchange for convenience yeah I, I, right. I think okay an interesting question here right is okay mm. you have worked in the digital marketing sphere right so yeah. I mean in general uh, does a digital marketing company restrict the kind of information that it looks at strictly to what it needs or does it try to gather as much information as possible you know, so like it has ah, all these sources so, of data there. So like, yeah, what does it choose to do? Are there like some kind of is like for example, I'm in software engineering, and even yeah. in software engineering, like there's a code of ethics about how we deal with a client, mm-hmm. um, uh, how we treat um, uh, uh, people's information, how we document. All these things are part of our ethics. So is there some? So basically, is there a code of ethics for digital marketers? Um. To to some companies, they try to, because it affects their brand essentially, right? To a degree, if yeah. uh, for example, if their consumers were a little bit more aware, conscious of how their data is being stored, which that that's the whole purpose of this topic, right? Is because yeah. if is more people are conscious, it only incentivizes these companies to be able to be more cautious in terms of the data that they want to extract from you. Right, right, right. So in. If given the option, obviously, right now, marketers would want as much data, but they also understand that that with with this data, there's how much of this data would they actually use towards taking a next step? You need to do something with this data, right? right. So right. they're not going to be taking, for example, 
um, whether you whether you actually went to the park today yeah. for example if, it, if it's not going to benefit them in the long term or near term then yeah. there's no reason or no point to this actual data but whether they want to take it they will definitely want to take it <laughs> that right, right. is probably something I can safely say but and then there's a filtering and selective process in terms of what they'll actually delete from the database towards how to profile and market to you later on right right okay yeah so yeah another, another thing that occurs to me is like social media apps right they I mean it's become like much easier to to find the post which we're actually interested in also in the same way that it's easier to find products that we're mm-hmm. interested in when I mean, you're on Lazada like uh, the the way that they've changed how social media feeds work before it was just like chronological and you see everything that 1,500 people have posted uh, from your friends list right mm. uh, and and now it's more targeted and so it, yeah I, I think in, 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 in cases like that maybe it even like reduces the time you spend on social media because you're looking at more relevant information faster uh, mm. uh, and increases your engagement yeah all there are ways I, I do understand that there are ways where where um, surrendering some of your privacy can be useful to you no doubt yeah okay so yeah you know that's the thing I mean I know that in in recent times there have been no more negative uh, lights that have been shined upon this topic but there's yeah. definitely an argument for it but it's also so that technically it also just, it basically boils down to how is it being used right because as time progressed, I think no one can really argue that data will always con- continuously continue to be extracted and collected. It's what they, they need to be aware of how yeah. is it used and whether it's secure because yeah. there's, there have been scandals where it's just been leaked, right? And so, yeah. and you don't know, obviously once it's leaked, then there's no stopping of who's going to be collecting and storing this information. So is it safely protected? Yeah. Uh, is it safely collected? And what do you decide to do with this data? At least, if you are aware, I think maybe a lot more people just need a lot more transparency, in my opinion. I don't think right. there's... We're in an age where if you're trying to prevent certain sort of tracking, it is possible, but in terms of complete data collection, the more you continue to use this contactless uh, or cashless payment systems, uh, cloud computing systems or even services that use cloud computing system there's no way that you will not be able to give up any sort of data yeah but okay. it's just how is it protected right yeah so yeah. what's next here okay so yeah sorry ramble a little bit on over there but ah. uh, essentially okay so we already spoke about the um, the social part of it and from a digital marketing standpoint. So, Bamba, why don't we talk about in the common use of actually maybe even uh, in the measures in which people can take towards uh, yeah. protecting the data more safely. So, for example, yeah. like maybe in more real terms, browsers and search engines. Yeah. Could you explain a little bit more about that? What is the alternative? All right. So, there's two parts to this, right? Uh, the one part is what... Oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay. This one, right? It's a very relevant question. You know, the okay, a lot of people have been starting to use Zoom recently. La. Yeah. This is something may I may, may digress a little bit. So right now, right, is it safe? The bigger question that has been uh, coming about recently, if I don't want <laughs> my family members <laughs> yeah. to come into my Zoom conversations, should yeah. I use Zoom or Messenger? 
Right, right. Rooms, rooms. Rooms, messenger rooms. Or Google Hangouts or Google Meet. You see what I'm saying? What right. is the issue with this? Well, okay, so... So, in this case, it is, it's less of a privacy issue and more of an overall security issue. So, there is a difference, right? So, privacy is the kind of data which people are collecting on you and who that gets to. And security is... So, security is when the the chain of custody, right? Like, say I hand over this piece of information to Zoom. And so, I have custody of it. I give custody of it to Zoom. But, say somewhere along the way somebody breaches that protection and is able to see that data so that's not that's not necessarily a privacy violation as much as it is, as it is a security breach so yeah. you you, ha- you have to look at what these companies uh, and developers are doing to protect yeah. to pro- to protect your communications and the reason that zoom in particular is so unsafe is because there is no encryption of your video feed from where you are to the person who receives it there's no end-to-end encryption so that means that if anybody intercepts your traffic at any point along the way right they're able to see all of it yeah so in terms of your family members uh, being able to join your zoom call uh, that's more related to people who who don't uh, set passwords on their zoom meetings uh who post it who post the meeting id online all these things uh so so zoom is partly responsible but you also have to be responsible for for how you protect yourself and the, and and uh, most of these uh, situations where you see people intruding on zoom calls like uh, i think in singapore there was somebody who who dropped in on a zoom call for a class right with mm. students and uh and like flash himself to them so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that is more <laughs> that's more the the teacher or the host responsibility because they did not um set up a, a safe enough password or they posted the meeting id online something like that so yeah uh, two two parties are responsible yeah uh, so you know something that may um no, none of you would know here that we are actually currently on a zoom call yeah and bumper is actually pasted the meeting password <laughs> as his name <laughs> in this yeah. call. Yeah, so, I messed up. <laughs> Bamba gives very good advice. He just <laughs> needs to take it sometimes. <laughs> okay, so another reason why you shouldn't use Zoom, right? If you ever look at a Zoom link for a Zoom meeting, if you look at the if you look at it very closely, at the end of it, it says PWD equals and then along... Uh, combination of text and numbers so that's actually the password and in the share link the password is in the url (laughs) so that means (laughs) so what that means is that when that that when you click this link like it goes through your internet service provider it goes to the uh, domain name server all these people have a record of your url with the meeting password so you know uh Maybe I take back what I said earlier that it wasn't the teacher's fault, <laughs> but <laughs> this one is totally on Zoom. <laughs> okay, yeah. yes, normally it shouldn't be the yeah. way, but in this case, Bamba is right, Zoom has completely and royally fucked up. <laughs> How is your password in the URL? Okay, you know what, you know, moving yeah, on, let's let's move just, on. if you want, just move, go use Messenger, yeah. uh, sorry, no, MSN, MSN. Yeah. I think that is the best. We go back to ancient times. Re- letter writing also can. Ah, 
I think that is my advice. You don't want data to be extracted from you. You go back to letter writing. Uh, can right? and can and rope. Best way to communicate. Can and rope. I agree. I agree. Go back to those days. I like those days. We had pen pals. Yeah, you know? yeah. Next time you come out from Singapore, right? You drive up with the with uh. one with the one end of the can. Make sure you have enough rope in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, on the way, on the on the drive back, right? Make sure that there's no like Mark check hanging her clothes on the line or anything like that. Mama, mama. <laughs> I'll stop, I'll you know, stop, I'll stop. You don't need to say Yeah, it. you know, for those of you who don't know Bamba, right, sometimes he tends to go above and beyond in everything he does, but also in his jokes. He's he's a funny man. Just sometimes it's just a bit too much, you know? A bit too far. It's okay. Let's get, let's okay. get back, yeah, on just, track. Yeah, just, back on track. Back on track. Yes, okay. So moving on, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the laws in place in Malaysia. Okay, sure. So the PDPA. Yeah. How are we protected? And what is stated in these guidelines? Okay, yeah. So, that's where Malaysia has actually done a fairly good job. So, there's been a trend recently, like in the past five or six years in many countries, to implement privacy policies in law. So, it mandates companies to to treat your data in a certain way. So, in the Europe, in Europe we have like the GDPR. Uh, here, we have our own. It's called the Privacy Data and Pro- uh, Data Protection Act, PDPA. And it basically outlines seven principles for Malaysian companies which are collecting your data. So, firstly, there's consent. You have to consent to handing over your data to these companies. Uh, You have to agree to it. They cannot collect it without your knowledge. That's illegal. Secondly, there's notice and choice. So, what this means is that you not only must be told that this data has been collected from you, you also have to know what is the purpose of your data. So, for example, right, if if Facebook says it's collecting data from me to give me better friend recommendations, it cannot then go and use this data to target ads at me because it didn't tell me that it's going to use it for this purpose. Uh, thirdly, uh, disclosure. You cannot disclose this data without consent to third parties. So Facebook cannot take my data and hand it over, for example, to Cambridge Analytica without letting me know that it's going to do this or letting me know that it might do this, right? So mm-hmm. so in that sense, what happened with Cambridge Analytica was illegal. Uh, fourthly, mm-hmm. security. So if you're holding the data, for example, Zoom, uh, Zoom has got my video conference uh, feed, right? So it has a, a responsibility mm-hmm. for the security of that feed to make sure that attackers don't come in and, and breach the security and have access to my data in that way. Uh, fifth, mm-hmm. Retention. So you cannot keep data any longer than is necessary. Like if Facebook is collecting my data for friend recommendations, then I quit Facebook. It's got no reason to keep you my data anymore. It should delete it. Yeah. Yeah. it must delete okay. it. It cannot right. even be on backups. Nowhere. It's gone forever. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and an interesting one, right, is access. Uh, these companies mm-hmm. must provide access to you to see all the data that you've collected on them. And you, if you look at the big players, right, like Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram, right, uh, you can actually go to a page and see all the data which has been collected to you from all sources, you know, not just when you fill in a form, but all the ways they've collected data on you, it has to be visible uh, to the user. Yeah, and the final requirement is data integrity, that they have to maintain the accuracy of the data, the completeness of the data, mm-hmm. And it's also their responsibility mm. to make sure that it's up to date. 
and to enforce all of this we actually have uh, severe penalties like uh, in Malaysia you can be fined up to 500,000 ringgit for a violation of this act and you can even be sent to jail for three years for violation yeah so like I don't know if you want to extradite Mark Zuckerberg anytime soon lah, but <laughs> if you want mm. to <laughs> that option is open to us okay okay you know, so that, that's a fairly good uh, guideline to follow and good, it's a good act actually it covers the thing is um, one thing that can be argued is that it, is it broad enough it does, is the policy broad is it vague mm. that there will be loopholes in it and especially you know a lot of this a lot, a lot of the big tech companies right they're accused of working with governments governments are accused of working with these big tech companies that are collecting this, this data right yeah yeah so I mean, while these acts may be in and maybe enforced, yeah, but um, as mentioned before, like you know, political campaigns are and governments use this towards their advantage as well, right? Okay, so the the where we run into a problem, right? And this is not just a problem with the Malaysian Act, but um, everywhere. Else. So this is an issue. First of all, governments themselves have an interest in collecting your data, just like you mentioned, right? So generally what they do is create certain like carve-outs or exemptions within these acts uh, to allow them to do that mm. legally. So mm-hmm. uh, one example, right, is in India, they set up this uh, biometric system that covers all 1.1 billion of their citizens. It's called ADA. And so this collects like mm. your fingerprints, your facial, uh, your, your facial, your photograph. Uh, it also collects like your residence, your all the data you've given to the government, like your citizenship status, where you've lived before, telephone numbers, everything is there. So government is storing all this data. Uh, it was found right on certain forums. You can buy a login credential to the Aadhaar database for seven US dollars. And once you have the login credentials, as long as you have someone's ID number, you can see all the information on them. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. god! So <laughs> what? <laughs> So can yeah. can I lose can, can we for seven US dollars I can find out everything about Mark Zuckerberg? Uh, I don't think he's an Indian citizen lah, but <laughs> he's oh, Indian, Indian citizen. citizen but la. this is one point one billion people. So Shahrukh, yeah, Shahrukh I can find out every. Oh my! You know what? I think this this podcast will go viral because. I know who to distribute this podcast. To. <laughs> the, I, I, yeah, so so uh, that's India, but in Malaysia also, we have exemptions. Like, for example, information related to credit rating is exempted here. You know? And, um, you know, if you look into the act more deeply, I'm sure you can find more. Uh, but another big, but beyond this, right, these are just principles it does not specify how these companies are going to implement these principles. How are they, what are the solutions which they're going to use to... And, and you can say that that's out of necessity, right? But obviously some ways of doing... Uh, some ways of encryption are better than others. So some companies are going to uh, be better at anonymizing your data than, than others are. Like, okay, so, so anonymization, right, is a good example. Like... Okay, you have a requirement to anonymize. Um, say I'm I'm collecting like your IC number and I'm collecting like your birthday. I'm collecting your birthday, but I'm not even collecting the year of birth. I'm just collecting your birthday, your birthday. So twenty fifth August, for example. So um, when I'm doing my so when I'm storing this data, say I'm I'm going to anonymize it. I say I'm only going to store the last four digits 
of your IC. Mm. Okay. But if I have your birthday, if I maybe for example mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. have the state that you live in, I can very easily figure mm-hmm. out what the first six digits of the <laughs> IC number are. Right, exactly. 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 <laughs> so even the <laughs> That's the thing, right? Why I said yeah. earlier how anonymized is anonymous. Yeah, exactly. So uh the and this is not th- something that companies do maliciously. Is it may be out of carelessness, it may be out of they simply haven't thought of the ways in which you can combine many different pieces of information to identify someone directly. But this happens a lot, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. another big thing is encryption, right? So we just mentioned end-to-end encryption. So what end-to-end encryption means that if I send you if if I'm video calling with you, I can see your feed, you can see my feed, but even Zoom should not would not be able to see this this video stream so not only an outside attacker right the company which is providing the service themselves cannot see your communications so mm. uh, so obviously some encryption is better than others but some companies like zoom for example don't even provide end-to-end encryption so they can see your feed if anyone hacks into their systems they also can see your feed and you know they can argue that the security is provided by the fact that you have to use a password but because the act never specified uh, what level of encryption you must use or anything like that so yeah that's where it, mm-hmm. it falls short yeah and the password is in the URL <laughs> I just I don't need to say anything else like, thank you for actually pointing this out this is insane yeah oh my god okay you know what yeah so clearly there are, there are loopholes in, in this act as well because as you said it is principles yeah. so like mo- so building upon that point um we're going to th- so like maybe we can move on towards talking about the coronavirus tracker, right? For example, yes. so the argument is essentially, should we compromise on data privacy over national security? Yeah. So this is actually not a uh, not a new debate because the, the yes. governments have been saying this for a long time. They've been demanding that companies like Apple and Google provide backdoors in all their messaging services or whatever other cloud services they provide so that if they are trying to collect information on terrorists, for example, the government has the ability to do that. So there's, uh, so generally, the trend has been towards that these companies saying, no, whatever it is, we guarantee the privacy of our users, uh, full stop. And we guarantee it to a point that even we ourselves are not able to uh, to see this data if we wanted to, not just the government. Mm. So now you have coronavirus, right? And so the, the mm. whole problem is contact tracing, right? So contact tracing from somebody who was infected to all the people he might have come to contact with. And recently, Apple and Google came up with a solution to this, uh, which, you can, which can be installed on any iPhone or Android phone. Uh, and they actually spent a lot of time figuring out the privacy details of this. Uh, I maybe I should like briefly tell you how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. So what it's doing is that it's using the Bluetooth antenna on your phone. You can use the Bluetooth mm. antenna on your phone to send out an ID, which is unique to you. Mm. It's not only unique to you; mm-hmm. it's regenerated every ten minutes. Okay. So okay. this ID on its own cannot be tied back to you. You are, only you have a list of all the IDs which have been transmitted. So it's transmitting right. these IDs to all the other phones in the vicinity of you. So as long as you're, for okay. example, six feet away, uh, you will pick up everybody's Bluetooth signal and you will have this ID stored mm. on your phone. 
and nothing happens with it uh, until the point where you actually uh, identify as a coronavirus patient and then you you register that in the app and it is sent and so it takes all the IDs which you have been transmitting ever and it transmits this to all the phones uh, to, to every user, every uh, smartphone user uh, who has come into contact with you, right? Okay. Yeah, so that they know that they've been within six feet away. Uh, so theoretically, like, if, when you do this, it's still impossible to tie the ID back to to you because there's no name attached to it, right? It's just a, num- a series of numbers. They don't even know who is the person who infected them necessarily. Uh, they just know they've been in close contact with someone who has been. Yeah. So all they have is a series of, okay. of text and text and numbers just uh, yeah uh, so obviously this is like uh, they've taken like great strides no doubt like probably this is the most secure way which you can possibly think of to do it but even in this case there's like an edge case where uh, this can compromise your privacy for example right uh, all of my IDs are being stored on my phone so if an attacker managed to manages to gain access to to this list on my phone mm. and say he also manages to gain access to a wide number of other devices right then he is able to match all these IDs together and figure out where I have been and then once at, the, at that point um, there's so much that he can do with that information he maybe can figure out where I work figure out my route to work figure out where I live all, all of these things are, are doable at that point right and so even though Google and Apple are not storing your location history anymore in a sense, everybody is storing your location history. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so that's how their solution works. How they try to balance the needs, but obviously, it still it still has loopholes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I had no idea that was happening. So, is that is this something that will probably be replicated in other uh, in other situations as well? You you mean outside of coronavirus? Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, technically, it's feasible to replicate. There's this. nothing stopping them, yeah, right? Nothing stopping There's them. nothing. Yeah. yeah. And right, is this not made as used as a on a wide scale? Would you say? Uh, again, it depends on people signing up for it, right? Like, um, if for example, government mandates that you must install this app on your phone, then you'll have everybody using it. So. It, again, it depends on it, it. depends on whether people have this on their phones or not, or whether they have to have it on their phones or not. And mm. and like okay, in a country like the US or in Europe, right? You can be reasonably certain that government won't force you to hand over this information to them. But mm. if you in a like more authoritarian country like China or Singapore, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the government has less respect for your privacy rights and for the your right to keep your data to yourself. Mm. So mm. yeah, if if they're able to collect all this information, they they have like the best location tracking database that you could ask for, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um. Just let me uh, move on to the, like, the last point. That was a very interesting mm. thing. So, I want to talk about, just maybe briefly, we could in, you could actually explain yeah. the functionalities of different browsers and different search engines and how it could actually help us uh, protect our data 
or at least help us minimize in terms of the leakage of data that we actually provide. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. One the the major way that people are that marketing companies or big data is collecting your information is through your browser when you browse the web, and uh, in surprising situations also, right? Like you could be on a totally unrelated website. You could be on Malaysia Kini, and Facebook could have a tracker in uh, embedded in in one of the images on Malaysia Kini. Or, uh, mm. there, there are many cases where this happens where, where these big companies are collecting information from you in unexpected places. So what you can do is you can use uh, browsers which uh, block these companies or block these types of tracking devices from transmitting your information back to them. And probably like the, the, mm. the best example of this is, is Firefox. Like uh, they go to great lengths to make sure that there there are no such there are no third party cookies being embedded in your but in your website. Um, so like Facebook cannot have a cookie embedded in, uh, in in Malaysia Kini's website. It won't be loaded on the Facebook browser, mm-hmm. and so Facebook mm-hmm. won't get mm-hmm. the information on you. And they are actually especially careful about Facebook. They they have this thing where they put Facebook into a container, and so. Uh, even websites that depend on Facebook to work, like you know, logging in on Lazada via Facebook, uh, on on mm. on Firefox, often it just won't work because they take it that seriously. Mm. They don't care if they break the website as long as your privacy is not being compromised. So you can do that with with the type of browser you use, but also like whatever browser, whatever app, whatever um smartphone you're using, right? You have. You have a choice when you agree to hand over data to to these companies. Like you can choose to give them less information when when an app on your phone asks for information to track your location when you're not using the app. Yeah, you can choose not mm. to allow allow that to happen, and probably your app will do everything that you uh, normally want it to. Fine, you know. Uh, so. I would say that that a lot of this depends on users' choices. That there are a lot of choices you can make to to make your life more secure. Uh, another thing is the type of messaging platform you use. So if you use WhatsApp, for example, it uses end-to-end encryption. So WhatsApp and Facebook themselves cannot read your messages, right? If you mm. use something like Facebook Messenger, or even MSN, or lots of mm. other apps, these don't have end-to-end encryption. So not only can Facebook see your your messages as they're being sent. Uh, uh, hackers can read it if they're intercepting your network traffic. Governments can have access to it if they demand it from from these big companies. So, mm. yeah, use a more secure messaging app. That that would be my advice. And um, all these like uh, all these things that you laugh at people for, like taping over the webcam, it's actually a good practice because uh, if a hacker mm-hmm. gains control <clears> of your of your laptop he can he can turn on the webcam without your knowledge even the light uh, next to the webcam may mm-hmm. not turn on so yeah these, these mm-hmm. are the steps you you can take yeah interesting but interesting but what what okay, what, is, okay. what but um you know when it comes to big to companies protecting like employee data or like big institutions right like a lot of mm. the things that they do actually don't work in real life so a big example of this right is password expiry Mm. So, yeah, mm. a lot, a lot of you experience this, right? Your password is valid for for one month or three months or six months, 
and then you have to change it. Yeah. And uh, you you would yeah. think that this makes it a lot safer, right? Because if somebody gets your password, uh, or somebody has your yeah, password, yeah. yeah. But the problem is, right? If somebody has found out your password, they're not gonna wait six months to use it. First of all, <laughs> they're gonna use it straight away. Yeah. So it's not that effective. Secondly, because you force people to keep changing their passwords, and you want their password to be complicated, right? But they're not able to remember it if they ha- if they have to change it every month, for example. So generally, what they do is they pick a very simple password, and then they just increment it from like it'll be something like uh password one, and then the following month it'll be password two, uh, password three. So <laughs> it yes, actually yes, makes yes. it easier for hack for for people <laughs> to guess your password. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, de- definitely, there's a lot that you can read up on this on your own, but a, a lot of simple steps mm-hmm. will will really help you there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know that. Um. That definitely does help. But essentially, the goal is, as as we as we talk about this, at least we hope that um. You know, we we inspire people towards finding out more on how to take um steps into what into knowing what data is collected about you, and even trying to probably find um your own method of trying to find maybe. Like you said, like you know, trying actually probably, is there a way to create new complex passwords automatically? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you can do that actually. The the password generating websites. Uh-huh. Uh, the problem is that you have that they generate the password for you, and then if it's not so secure, maybe they, they maybe somebody else has access then, to the password too. But um, but then it's stored on the browser. Yeah, right? so usually it's stored on the browser. So that means that uh, it's not going over the network. So yeah, you can look up these password generators. They generate the password on your device, and uh, and it's a very complex mm-hmm. password. You know, honestly, like uh, write it down in a book and lock it away or something like that. <laughs> but <laughs> but but yeah 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 yeah. You, but, yeah I guess essentially, um okay, um sorry was no no go on. No, so exactly the point is like maybe we wanted to spark this sort of debate and have this conversation going about data privacy yeah. right? and just to probably enlighten people on what is going on behind the scenes. I think I don't know whether many people are actually talking about this. I don't I don't believe so to such a degree. So hopefully that we've probably inspired one or two people at least to try and figure out what they can yeah. do next. We'll try and even go more into this topic as we go along. Yeah. Maybe have a part two we can go a little bit more in depth, even maybe in terms of what is ethical hacking and and things and so forth. Yeah. As time goes on, so yeah, okay. Um, why? Okay, I think Bamba and I wanted to play a true or false game. Yeah. Shall we just play this true or false game? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. <laughs> okay. You start. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I kind of used up my true or falses during the <laughs> during the discussion. That is true, lah. Damn, so nice. You know what? You know what? <laughs> no. Never mind. Uh, we save true or false for the next yeah. episode. <laughs> so that means it's a good thing. Yeah. So we actually debunked our own questions yeah. within the episode. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully you enjoyed the episode, everyone. Um, so we're gonna sign off now. It's been a while. Yeah. So. I hope everyone takes care of themselves, you know, keep safe, be healthy. Hopefully, you know, we'll start to resume normal life or whatever that is yeah. in the future. Yeah. I guess there'll have to be a new normal that's in place in society, I guess. So, you know, from from the Ben Lim Show, we wish you all the best. Keep safe. Thank you for listening to us and keep your data safe. Yes.
Bamba. Take care. Good night. Good night, everybody.